So when I think of um, the churches that I've been at in a part of my life, um, there's a number of them. Uh, I moved around a lot when I was growing up, just the nature of my dad's job. And so by the time I was 18 years old, we had moved five times and I had been a part of six different churches. And then following that, in my later years, uh, all the way up till now, if my numbers are correct, Trinity is the 15th church that I have been blessed to be a part of. And I realize, like, in the grand scheme of things, as far as sample sizes goes, there's thousands of churches out there, so 15, not that large of a sample size, but I think for the average person, it's a pretty significant sample size. And what I would say is that the three years that I've been here, something that I would say about Trinity is Trinity is not a normal church. I mean that in a good way. Uh, Trinity is not a normal church, and I think one of the things, one of the things that that sets Trinity apart, again, just of my experience with churches, has been the various ministries that Trinity has done and continues to do. Um, When I've talked with people, and they've told me all the things that Trinity was known for in the community, in the area, the things that have happened maybe a couple decades ago, maybe some ministries come, some ministry goes, and some ministries continue to stay on, Trinity is not normal. And I think of all the ministries, and I don't just realize that there's a number of ministries, but there's only one way that those ministries can happen, and that's with people. And not just people, but a lot of people. Not just a lot of people, but a lot of gifted people. And not just a lot of gifted people, but a lot of gifted, talented people willing to serve and willing to take another thing on their plate and willing to give back in a way that glorifies God, that helps other people out. And I think the ministry that, that God has been able to do through us here has very much proven that. As I think, I just, I'm just curious if one day maybe we'll get to heaven and we'll be able to see like all of the various areas that that ministries have been able to touch the lives of. Uh, I think of how many people have heard maybe the gospel for the very first time because of what this church has been a part of and been blessed to be able to do. And as I think about where we are today in 2022 and we have this vision in front of us and wanting to move forward, I, I think of the various ministry that God willing will continue to be able to do. Like, we not, don't just want to be status quo and, and comfortable, but we want to continue doing more. <laughs> and we want to be able to, to take this word and tell more people and do more things in service to God and his kingdom. And the only way that's possible is by people, people who give. And that's one of the reasons why we really want this to be one of those values that gets instilled in the hearts and minds and lives of every single member who calls themselves a member of Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church. We give. And typically when we talk about giving, we talk about it in the three T's. You heard those T's before? The, the time, the talents, and the treasures. And as much as I love talking about God and money, and as much as God loves talking about himself and money. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today. That'll be for another time. Uh, we're going to focus primarily on the two first two T's, right? Time and talents. And we're going to take a, a, another dive, another look at those two verses from Peter, and we're going to get three big points for you and I to take away today and to ponder and to think and to ask ourselves, 
How can we continue being a part of this? How can we get to be a part of this? And how can we make this that is so not normal even better in the future? So here's where we're going. Here's what Peter says in the very first verse. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And I'm just going to stop right there. Each of you. Not some of you should use your gifts to serve others. Not most of you should use your gifts to serve others. But he says, each of you should use your gift to serve others. So you get what that means, right? What that means is essentially our first takeaway point. You have a gift. Contrary to what you might be tempted to believe, you have a gift. You have some sort of way that you can help. Now, so many times as I talk to people, I, I hear this conversation, I hear this, this thing come out, it says, there's not really anything I can do. There's not really anything that I can play a part of. And, and I think we've sort of been conditioned so much in our lives to just spend so much of our lives to be on the, the sidelines and to not participate. I think years of watching TV, not a bad thing, right? But years of watching TV, what do we see in TV? We see the actors and the actresses portray roles in films we love. We see and maybe even attend concerts where the musicians, the singers, and the band, they're able to entertain us on the sidelines. We see football games and baseball games and all sorts of sports games where the professional athletes do all these things that we can't do, and we sit in the audience and we soak it in, and we're entertained by it. And what that can easily do is lead us then to think, well, we come here, and we sit, and we hear a pastor speak, eloquently or not, and we hear some musicians play songs, and, and we think to ourselves, well, you know, maybe there's not really that much that I can do. I can't do that, I can't sing, I can't do those things, so, so I maybe don't have that much to offer God. But God very clearly in his word says, au contraire, yes, you do. You have a gift. I hardwired you. I made you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. I hardwired, built into you gifts, skills, abilities. So the question then is, what is your gift? What is your skill? What is your talent? What is your ability? Because you have one. But you can't move on to step two, three, four, unless you first figure out step one. It's hard to know how you can serve when you don't first know what your gift is. And it makes me think of, like, my dad's garage when I was growing up. Youngest of five boys, I got to see dad do all sorts of projects growing up. My dad was one that, uh, as the project list grew, so did his arsenal of tools. And I remember just seeing the garage just slowly and slowly get bigger, essentially filling up more and more and more with just stuff and tools and saws and all of these different things and tool chests to keep more tools and all this stuff. And I... As a kid, as a young kid, I hadn't a clue what 95% of it was for. Like if me as a five-year-old would have grabbed a, a ratchet from dad's pegboard, oh, it makes a cool clinky sound, I can swing it around. I didn't know what it was for and that kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? If you don't know what it's for, then you don't know how to use it. But as dad slowly brought me up over time, 
and he would help me, have me help him with the projects, I started to figure out why he had such an arsenal of tools. It was something that dad always told me growing up. He said, Kendall, every single tool has its purpose. And when you don't have the right tool that you need, it makes the job so much more difficult. But having the right tool makes all the difference in the world. And it's true. Maybe he'd have a tool in his garage. It wouldn't get used for a year, maybe two years. But then suddenly, when he needed it, there was no replacement for it. Every single tool has a purpose, has a function. And I think that is exactly what, what God, through Peter, is trying to tell us here in these words. Like, think of yourself as this beautifully crafted, by hand tool that God has said, I've given you this purpose, I've given you this skill, I've given you this talent, this ability, and I want you to serve, and I want you to use that. And so if you don't know what that is, it's hard to know what to, what to do, but if you do know what that is, wow, the opportunities are endless. So as you think about that, what is your gift? Well, maybe your gift is you're, you're kind of a people person. Like you're, you're a person who is hospitable and you love people, or maybe as I say that, you kind of are just thinking to yourself, man, why did so many people have to sit in my pew? I'm not a people person. I like to be by myself. I, I like to just, I'm a little more introverted, and you know what? I just, I like to do stuff behind the scenes. Or maybe, maybe your gift is something that you use in your job, your daily skill, your daily trade, Maybe you're good with words. Maybe you're good with numbers. Maybe you're good with your hands. Maybe you're good with your voice. Maybe you're good, I, I don't know, maybe it's a hobby that you have that you're really good at. The, the point is, you have a gift. There's no getting around that. So how do you figure out what your gift is? Well, for those of you who don't know um, what your gift is, I would say there's, there's maybe two things I'll say to that. One, one thing you could do is you could ask those closest to you, and I mean that by closest to you, not someone who's just going to tell you what you want to hear, but someone who knows you in and out and can speak objectively, truthfully to you and tell you what you're good at and tell you what you're not good at. Like someone who is not afraid to tell you, I know you think you're good at singing, but, you know, you really, that's, maybe God has blessed you in other areas, right? Um, but, but can tell you what you are good at. But maybe it's actually simpler for you than that. Probably the simplest thing I could tell you is, if you don't know what your gift is, how do you discover it, what can you do, my advice, talk to Beth. Beth Youngberg. If you don't know who she is, she is your sister in the faith right here, and she is our new personal member ministry coordinator. And her job, she gets paid to do, and what she loves doing, is figuring out that question, what is your gift? So that you can discover that gift to then use that gift, which is exactly what Peter says next. The, the second point he's saying is use your gift to serve others. And maybe I should have highlighted that last part, to serve others. The point of God giving you a gift, the point of Beth showing you what your gift is not so that you can just say, okay, cool. Great, I got a gift. Awesome. And then just continue to sit on the sidelines. No, it's so that you can be involved, so that you can use that gift. Here's what Peter says. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've got God's grace 
He gives it to us in various ways, and he says, now you get to use that to serve others. You get to be a faithful steward. And I wonder, when was the last time someone just said, man, if I could give you a compliment, it would be that you are a faithful steward. Like, has anybody ever said that to you? Oh, there's a faithful steward. Did you know you're a faithful steward? Oh, that person, he, she, they're a faithful steward. Probably not. Because that's, that's church language, it's, it's church slang that, that likely never gets used outside of these doors, outside of this context. So what in the world is a faithful steward? And what that is, is think about our, our parable that we had from Jesus, our other reading. Essentially what a steward is, is a really, really good manager. So whether you're thinking of a restaurant, whether you're thinking of a football team, whether you're thinking of, of something, think of it this way. An owner owns something, and it's precious to them, and it's near, and it's dear to them, and they love it dearly. And so what they do is in order for that thing that they love to succeed and flourish and blossom, they give a manager oversight over the whole thing. They hire a manager and say, this is mine, it's near and dear and precious to me, and I want you to manage it. I want you to be in charge of it. And so that manager takes care of the whole thing in a way that honors the owner but serves as many other people as possible. And when you think about it, when it comes to your gifts and when your skills, when your abilities, is that not the way God wants us to look at ourselves? Like, whether it's talented at basketball, at sports, music, work, kids, I don't know, but, but all those skills, all that talent, your bank account, all the treasures too, all of that stuff is essentially a loan from God to you to serve others. That's a steward. And seeing yourself this way is so absolutely vital because this is where the rubber hits the road, you might say, when it comes to churches and how they operate and what they do. This is the difference between a church that is thriving in what they're being able to do and the impact in God's kingdom that they're able to make versus a church that is kind of struggling and maybe morale is kind of low, and it seems like the, the typical 20% of the people do 80, 90% of the work, and there's burnout, and there's frustration, and, and, and it all comes back to how you see yourself. As a steward or as a consumer? Do you know the difference? Because there's a massive difference between these two. A steward is someone who is focused only on giving. What they have, what they've been trusted with, and, and giving it away but a consumer is focused on getting. I consume. I, I take. Companies have a product, and I'm the consumer, and, and they're there to serve me. And when you think about it, think of how this consumer mentality can easily impact and affect you and a church. Like a consumer mentality is one that says, what can that church do for me? How can that church serve me? You know, I prefer this. I like this. I'm going to complain if that's not done right. I'm going to talk about this. And I want this to be happening. What, what, what is that program? How, how does that church have that program that serves my kids, that my needs? And, and 
And how can they benefit me? And so then when it comes time to say, hey, um, here's the ask, and how can you fit in, and how can you help out, a consumeristic mentality says, no, no, I, I like sitting on the sidelines, I like to consume, I like to come and sit and just feed every, on everything, but never give back. And when you think about that, think of how wrong that is, especially in terms of everything that God has given you. And when you think of a consumeristic mentality, understand nobody wins. Like, nobody wins. Other people don't win because they're not blessed by your talents, your skills. And for that matter, you don't even win because you have this flawed, warped understanding and misunderstanding of your relationship with God that's just take, take, take. And that's not what Peter's talking about. That's not what God says. But a stewardship mentality is one that says, this isn't mine. I've just been entrusted with it. And so I get to be faithful with it. And I get to use it for others. Now I want you to see how insanely practical this can be. Like sometimes um, we talk about some stuff and we try our best to make it relevant and practical and sometimes we leave you to do some of the legwork. But let me, let me just try to make this really simple. Um, let's say that you have the patience of a preschool teacher, of an early childhood uh, care person, and you love little kids. Like any kid from infancy, two, three, four, even five years old or whatever, and, and you love them, and you can deal with the stuff that they throw back at you, and, and the crying, and the diapers, and the tantrums, and the, you can tell I have little kids at home, right? Like you can deal <laughs> with all of that stuff. And I've, I've wondered if, if you understand how you can use that gift. Like, did you know we have a nursery? And did you know we have a lot of moms and dads and single moms who, who would be greatly benefited from that? Like as a man, my job, as a husband, my job, of course, leaves me to leave my wife being a single mom on Sundays so many times. And you've seen her walk in with those two little angels. Yes, <laughs> Sawyer, Sawyer and Danny, and her hands are so full. And I wish so, so dearly that I could help her but I've talked to so many people, her and moms and dads, who are just frustrated and they say, I want to come, I want to be here, but it's so hard when I have my hands filled with these little ones and they need so much attention and I'm not going to neglect that, but then I don't get fed. I don't get built up in the way that I want to. What if you served? Like, what if you took your gift and said, you know what, I'm going to come and then I'm going to stick around for another hour so that I can maybe help one mom, one dad, one set of family, I don't know, in the nursery where they can drop off their kid and mom and dad can come in here and they can be locked in and totally on board and ready for everything that God has to say, filled up to then go home and be equipped to lead as a spiritual role model in the home like we talked about last week. Oh, do you see how that one gift is so powerful? I, I said before, maybe you're a people person. Maybe you're a friendly person and you just love getting to know people or you just have that friendly smile, that hospi hospitality uh, a characteristic about you. What if you volunteered to, to be part of like a worship team, 
a welcome team, rather, where whether it's in the back of church or in the front of church, that you're someone who's there opening doors every single Sunday or even welcoming people who walk in, as we saw with the confession, with so many different things, so many different burdens on them, and you walk in and, and maybe they're not going to pour out them, their, their heart to you, but just with a smile, a handshake, or a hand wave that says, hi, and thanks for coming, my name's so-and-so, whoa, do you realize the impact that that could have where someone realizes, this is the place I need to be? It's huge. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I'm not so good with that, but maybe you're a handyman. Maybe you're gifted with yard work or you're Mr. Fixer-Upper, you're Mr. DIY, you know, when I bought my house, what everybody told me, be ready to fix stuff because it seems like when you buy something, it just breaks. And boy, whether it's holes in the drywall, whether it's paint that's peeling, whether it's a roof that's failing, whether it's water leaks, whether it's cracked window, whatever it is, get ready to fix stuff. Maybe you do. Maybe you do this for a living, and, and you know we have a beautiful building, but you know the only reason this building's beautiful is because of people who take care of it and the maintenance, and the outside of people who take care of it and the maintenance. And maybe you could use your gifts that way to keep this place as, as a place fitting for God and say, yes, God, I know you don't dwell in, in houses and temples, but you know what? This, is your, this has your name on it. We call this place your house, and we're going to treat it that way. There's an idea. Maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, well, I'm kind of old. <laughs> I'm kind of retired. Uh, I am retired. And when I got to retirement, uh, I enjoyed this time because I have time. And maybe you're saying, like, yeah, I, I can't do what I used to do. Maybe the best thing that God has given you is your time. Like, think of how much more free time you have to serve. Think of how much more that you now have the ability and capacity to do for God and for other people. Like, what if it was saying, like, hey, pastor, I know your, your plate is full of stuff, and so I'm going to visit some people in the hospital for you. I'm going to check up on them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to pray with them. Awesome. Or, hey, you know, what are the things that you have that, that I can go do? Maybe I can just sit. Maybe I can listen. Maybe I can encourage and maybe if you're thinking to yourself, like, well, I, I can't do what I used to do, I think of all the various things that you still can do. You know, I've had a number of funerals this year, and I think of, this sounds terrible, I think of the food. I think of the funerals themselves, of course, and I think of the messages and the people who've gone home to heaven. But then I think of afterwards the food, the comfort food, the real comfort food that's there for hurting families and hurting people, that people just volunteer and say, yeah, I'll help. They used to always say you can't beat a Lutheran potluck. I, I believe that is true when it is 100%. Right there, that, right there, or, or someone else. We have a caring casserole committee. Hey, someone had a baby, someone had this, and, and you can serve that way. I'm going on and on. I think you can fill in the rest. I think you can figure out that you've got gifts and there's some way that you can serve. Because I think of all the various things, even just today, that would not happen if it wasn't for people who serve. We're going to have communion later today. And I think of how awkward that would be if we didn't have an altar guild who would set that up and how panicked I would be to realize, oh, there's no wafers, there's no communion, and I don't even know where the stuff is and how to fill it up. Great, yeah, this is going to be a little awkward for me. I think of if we didn't have musicians 
to lead us in music. You know what you would have to suffer through? My nasally off-key sound that would just be terrible and you would never come back again as we sing a cappella and I would just say, forget it, we're just going to speak everything today, right? You would, not happening. And for that matter, you wouldn't have anything in your hands. There'd be no worship folders. There would be nothing on the screens. We would have no sound. It would be just me yelling and trying to make sure that you can hear me. And for that matter, there would be no coffee. There would be no food. Ah, no food after church. Come on, don't take away my food. Don't take away my coffee. There'd be none of that. And for that matter, think about how disgusting this place would be. Floors just unkempt and bathrooms with no toilet paper when you go to reach for it and no soap in the dispenser and, and just all sorts of stuff. All sorts of things that wouldn't be possible if people didn't serve. And so here's what I'm going to do. You may find this awkward. I don't care. Um, here's what I want you to do. If you have served, whether it's on a committee, but please don't think it just has to be a committee, a, a team. You've served in the ministry in the past, maybe presently doing something. Maybe you've cooked a meal. Maybe you've been a Stephen minister and walked by someone as they're going through something in their life. Maybe you've heard, maybe you've called someone, maybe you've encouraged, maybe you've visited. If you've served in any sort of way here at Trinity, can you please right now stand? Don't be shy. Stand. Music. Meals, whatever it is. Everybody, could we please thank you? Everybody, give them a round of applause. I mean this. You may be seated. I know you don't do it to be honored. I know you don't do it for the glory. I know you don't do it for yourself. But this is a way for us to honor you and to praise God and thank God for you. And as you're looking around, some of you maybe say, like, there's so many people that I don't know. And we are a big church. We are spread out over three services. There's tons of people that you don't know. But understand understand that the only way this happens is with people like you. We need you. And the reason why we need you is finally our last point, what everything is all about, so that God might be praised. We have a gift. Use that gift, but we don't use it for ourselves. We use it for others, but we don't use it to build up our name. We're not trying to say, hey, look at our vision that we have, and this is what it's all about. No, honestly, it's not. We don't say, hey, look at our church. Look at our 1393 Elizabeth Street block in Crete, Illinois. Aren't we great? No, we don't do it for that. We do it for God and his glory. That's what Peter says. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides right here, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And you know he's excited because he's still got a whole chapter to go, okay? So listen, why do we do this? Think of everything that God has given you. Think of everything that God has given you, not just your skills, but my goodness, think of Christ. Think of your Savior, and that is why we do all of this stuff. It makes me think of this passage from 2 Corinthians. Christ's love compels us. We're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. You want to talk about a stewardship mentality right there. Like when we think of everything that God has given to us, when we think of Christ, not an example, but a substitute, 
someone who came and lived and died in your place so that God would not have to separate you from him for the rest of eternity in hell so that he could be with you. And when, you know what that love does? Paul says it compels us. Compels us to live abnormally. Compels us to live differently. To give ourselves and give back to God for his glory, for his praise. And if you're not doing that, if you're someone who's just consuming, then maybe you need to just focus more and more on Christ's love. And just spend your time right there and say, what did he do for me? Why did he do that for me? Because when you get it, it will compel your heart to live from a consumer to a steward, to see everything that you are and everything that God has given you in a whole new light and to give it back to him. Because when you give, when you serve other people, do you realize that you are being a glimpse of God to another person? Like, like think of the new person who walks into church on Sunday, think of how nervous like, they kind of feel. It's a place filled with strangers. They have no idea what they're going to walk into. They have no idea how they're going to be greeted. They have their own stuff. They don't know if they're going to be judged or how it's going to go. And then you get to be someone who just simply says, hi, my name's so-and-so. Hey, thanks for coming. And you get to just welcome them and be a face of God to them because that's, that's a glimpse of how God welcomes us and greets us, greets us so warmly. If you're someone who, who works behind the scenes and unbeknownst to 99% of people, nobody has a clue of what you do, do you understand that is a glimpse of the God who does so much behind the scenes that we take for granted and yet he does it to bless people? When you use your gift and serve people in the various ways, Peter said, you our glimpse of God and how he serves us in the various ways. You see, it's not about us. It's not about our building. It's not about our church. It's not about our vision. It's about God. Because you know something about God? He is so not normal. <laughs> like the world... The world is all about taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. And you know what our God is about? Giving. Giving. His love for us. He, he gives so much to a bunch of sinners like you and me. And he says, here, serve me with this. <laughs> that is not normal. And he is honored and praised by someone just praying with another person on the phone. By someone just making a meal. By someone just simply helping Take down a, a fellowship hall room of tables and chairs and get it set up for another event. That God is praised and honored by that. That's not normal. God sent his son, sacrificed his son for us so that we would be with him. That is not normal. And it is so good. And it is such a blessing to be a part of that. And we want others to be a part of that too. So figure out your gift. And then use your gift so that other people can see this God and see how not normal he is and how great that is so that they can praise him too. Because as Peter said, to him be glory and praise forever and ever.
Amen.